Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become a new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes and stay tuned for why we love using Zen for the podcast. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management, archaeology, and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 227 for December 1st, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about mandatory vaccinations and paid sick leave. So roll up your sleeves because you're about to get stuck and because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Bill. Hello. Andrew. Hey, everybody. And Heather. Hi, everyone. And for the first time in like 10 years, I didn't say where they were from because they're all in California. So it's kind of be, I mean, we used to be all spread out across the United States, but you guys are all in California. So at least I'm on the other side. I'm in North Carolina right now. (laughs) Balance this out a little bit. Yep. Yep. So anyway, we are, as we mentioned in the intro, talking about, you know, as as we're coming into winter here in the, in the latter half of uh, latter part of 2021, if you're listening to this in real time, we're coming obviously into cold and flu season. Fortunately for a lot of archaeologists that work in at least this country and in many northern latitudes, you're indoors for a lot of this season, either not working at all or working on lab stuff or reports, depending on what you do. There are, of course, areas in this country that work all year round. Heather's in one of those, Southern California. I've worked in Florida in the winter. We've worked, you know, there's lots of places where you can still work in the winter time, especially places where you can dig. It might be rock hard clay that's frozen, but I've done it. <laughs> I know a lot of people have done it. So, but for a lot of people, this is kind of an off season and we want to talk about, you know, cold and flu and, and, and some labor laws. But before we get to that, As my wife and I got our COVID booster shots yesterday, and I've got family members that are refusing vaccinations that are state mandated because they have jobs that require that. I'm curious from the panel here, what we think about that just from a just from a working standpoint. And and Bill isn't going to be with us for the last two segments. So I want to get his thoughts on that. Bill, what are your thoughts on requiring vaccinations for students obviously you're a professor and professors alike i don't know what the what the mandate there is yeah but what are your what are your thoughts around that yeah i mean also i I wasn't super prepared for this episode so i'm trying to find our um, requirements from the university campus but essentially the state of california has kind of stayed like it you know before the crest you know stayed at the forefront of this whole thing. For example, the state of California, you know, had these lockdowns and all this other, I mean, we call them lockdowns, but in all fairness, it was kind of like, 
you know, you can't go to the bar and there's no concerts. But in general, <laughs> most of our lives still uh, just kept moving because, of course, you know, folks didn't 100 percent follow all the rules. Right. So stuff like Christmas and Thanksgiving went off with no hitch. I mean, people just still went and saw their families and they just rolled sure. the dice. Right. So that happened. And also, you know, you could always go to the grocery store. You can always go outside and, you know, hike and do whatever else. You just can't play like baseball and everybody can't be in the stadium. So a, a big chunk of our society still kept functioning. That's why I think it's crazy when you see what's going on in Europe right now where they're they're launching another round of lockdowns and there's riots in several different countries over, you know, the fourth or fifth round of lockdown. But mm -hmm. like in California, it was at the kind of front edge of that. And so as such, so the, the rule that the University of California system put out was that, you know, they encouraged everyone to get vaccinated, but it wasn't mandatory. So that's one key thing. Anybody listening out there, no state government has like forced any of its state employees to get vaccinated. You uh, had the ability to have a, a waiver if you had, you know, like a medical issue that you shouldn't get vaccinated or even something like pregnancy, which isn't a medical issue. But like, we don't really know what will happen if you get the vaccine. It's not clear. So. You know, if you have if you're going to have a baby, no one was forcing them to get the vaccine vaccine before that was mm -hmm. uh, before it was approved to have for pregnant women. Also, you can get a religious waiver, too. So you just need to fill out what you're supposed to if it's against your beliefs to have that, then, you know, that was that's definitely acceptable. So I I'm trying to find the rules because they change like every single other day. And, and, it, and a lot of times it's like nuanced changes. But one of the things mm -hmm. I was able to figure out really quickly, because they asked all faculty, all staff, and all students to get vaccinated on campus at UC Berkeley, you know, camp, University Campus Health shows that undergrads and grads are over 98.9% or 98% undergrads are 98.3% fully vaccinated under or graduates, 98.8 fully vaccinated and faculty and staff are 91% vaccinated, which leads the state of California in vaccination. And mm -hmm. kind of as a result, well, I mean, it doesn't lead the entire state, but that's way higher than the actual state of California's vaccination rate. And as a result, the campus is detecting, you know, one or two cases a day, uh, mm -hmm. positive cases a day. So, Right. And that, that's out of thousands of tests given each week. So, you know, I got my vaccination. Um, my kids, they're in a, their elementary and middle school. They got their first round. So obviously, you know, I believe in vaccinations. I've always gotten my vaccination for, you know, tetanus and all the other illnesses because we work in the field. Right. I didn't always get a flu shot until I spent two years without getting sick. <laughs> then I started getting, you know, I got the flu shot. And so uh, the other thing that really helps is that in the case of uh, COVID, it's free, right? So you can go and get your vaccination for free. In the case of your other shots, yeah. a lot of times, you know, you got to have health insurance, which a lot of people who are doing archaeology, they don't have any health insurance or their health insurance isn't good. And so it may not cover like their basic round of immunizations. So you're kind of sure. talking to someone who's, you know, I guess I believe in the science before there was even, it didn't seem like it was that that complicated to me that if it's like an airborne infectious disease as someone who has asthma as someone who's dug in sites that have like hantavirus and stuff and knows about wearing mm -hmm. masks and protect yourself when you're around hazardous potentially hazardous uh you know sediments or or anything right like i'm already used to the fact that like if it could possibly kill me or give me cancer way down the road and i know about that then i'm going to try to protect myself whether that's wearing a mask or wearing a tyvek suit or washing my hands 
whatever, you know, out in the field, I always was that person. And so this is like no different for me, but I can't tell other people what to do. And the other thing is everybody is along a spectrum of, you know, willingness to do basically be a citizen, right? Uh, The same science that brings you the internet that you use to rip on the government and stuff like that (laughs) follows the same laws of, you know, discovery, right? In this country, we have a long tradition of scientific discovery and, you know, focusing on medicine and science. And it's not all just a Wall Street ripoff, right? I mean, they're doing all their stuff there, but they're making inventions. And sometimes those things make our lives a little bit better. So it's kind of crazy that people will pick and choose like, you know, what what bit of science they feel like they need to believe in, even though the device they're using, they don't understand because it's like, you know, 70 years of technological development that brings you that phone that on the bathroom you can use and say, you're never going to believe, you don't believe in no science, right? <laughs> it's solid science yeah. that you're living, you know, sitting on that toilet. That's science development, the electric lights that light that thing up so that you can see your thing. That's all science, your phone, all of it's science, right? And then you would just pick and choose like, well, I don't believe in any of that stuff. So to me, it just seems like it's kind of like crazy. And for someone who's supposed to be a scientist, like an archaeologist, it's like a double dose. So I haven't, yeah. I have not surveyed folks outside of academia about their vaccination situation. Frankly, it's none of my business really. But if the stuff works, then I have very little to fear. You know, I'm, I'm less likely to get hospitalized and crippled from COVID because I've gotten the medicine than someone who hasn't. And that's kind of like at the end of the day, that's all that matters to me, right? Like they're trying to shut all the stuff down. They're trying to force people to do stuff to me a year, two years in and you have medicine available and you're not going to get it. Like it, it, that's like the person who just eats horrible food and never exercises for their whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, am I really supposed to like find a way to accommodate them for their horror story choices that they've made their entire life? I mean, I guess so. Uh, you know, if you ask the Dalai Lama, yeah, I should. But in reality, yeah. that's not how my world works or most of our world. That's not the way we work. Yeah. Heather. There's one thing I think we need to remember is, first of all, I think Berkeley's always the percentages as vaccination and overall universities. Uh, percentages are always going to be higher than the state state because of the fact that these universities are requiring vaccination or you can't be there oh, or you have a waiver but waivers are not as easy as as they appear it's not you can't you know if you just have a belief that you don't want to get vaccinated that's not covered by medical it's not covered by religious beliefs you still have to get it or you can't go to university so you know i think it's interesting the universities are taking credit oh almost as if they've gotten all these people vaccinated that wouldn't have otherwise gotten vaccinated I do think that that's true. I, you know, I think there's a lot of students that probably wouldn't have gotten vaccinated just because they're students and <laughs> they don't get vaccinated for other things. As they have other things on their mind that's not important to them. They're invincible, right? But the the concept that universities are now, you know, 98, 99% vaccinated, well, that's because you've removed out of that population that could be calculated to the percentage, those that refuse to vaccinate. Therefore, they're not going mm-hmm. to the university anymore. So, you know, it's I think it's interesting when, you know, we, we see these percentages and politicians want to push that because they feel that, you know, they've accomplished a lot when in actuality, you've just removed people out of the calculation of percentages. So, you know, I think, first of all, that, that was just one of my my points there. I think as far as what we're seeing in the workforce, for archaeology, for CRM, there's a lot 
of people that are not vaccinated and don't want to be vaccinated, um, specifically yeah. the as needed population. There's a lot of them that do not want to be vaccinated. And we're struggling with that as the company that I work for. We are a federal contractor. So we are, uh, it doesn't matter OSHA or not, or whether or not that, you know, the, the OSHA fight is going to be successful. It doesn't matter for us because as federal contractors, we're going to be required. Now that that date has been pushed back. It was December 4th. Then it was like January 8th or something. Now it's mm -hmm. been pushed back again to January 18th. Mm. And so it just keeps that federal mandate keeps getting pushed back as far as when they're going to require it. So that when you do that, now you're giving people this idea that that actually might not happen. Who knows? You know, they, the federal mandate might be they may pull back on that and not required it at all. It seems odd that it keeps getting pushed back. So it's giving people that false sense. Well, I don't, it may not be a false sense. It gives them the sense that maybe eventually if they wait it out long enough, they won't need to get vaccinated. So yeah, uh, young people there, I mean, I think if you put something in front of them and they can't have what they want or they get back, <laughs> unless they get vaccinated, they're going to get vaccinated. The interesting thing here is, especially talking about college students, right, which in archaeology, California is kind of one of the exceptions sometimes with some of the some of the older field techs that never did go to college or got some completely different degree. There's still quite a few of those people in uh, in California. But in general, if you're working in CRM, you went to college and. I mean, I remember having to show proof of vaccinations when I went to college, just like your standard vaccinations yeah. mm -hmm. that you, mm -hmm. you really should get as a child. Yep. I had to show proof of that. And in some cases, I don't think I had proof. So I just had to get them. <laughs> it's like, right. like, it was too long ago. I don't know where this is. Right. Yeah. My parents yeah. are disorganized. Like, like, where is this? Right. So, I remember when I went to um, Arizona, I got like four vaccination shots in about you know yeah. 20 seconds. They just lined them all up on a train. Like, and it was because they didn't have the last record of my vaccination from when I was like 12 years old. So they just yeah. were like, boom, boom, boom. You know, if you don't have a yeah, religious, this was Arizona too. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And I don't, it all also, especially for say archaeology minded people, if you've gone to a field school outside of this country, then more than likely you had to, if you didn't already get some other shots or vaccinations or something to go to the country that you went, which is also required. And I don't think, I don't think there necessarily even are religious exemptions for some of that stuff. Like, it's just like you either get it or you're not yeah. coming into our country. Yeah. And no, that's, then that's, that's absolute. The <laughs> that's the yeah. deal with that stuff. Like for the working in Belize, you just, you get your vaccinations. Like nobody yeah. ever in the history of working there, I've worked there for the better part of 30 years. I've never heard someone go, well, you know, I would go, but hepatitis B vaccination isn't going into my body. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I know. I know. And there's always this stuff about like, you know, well, the vaccine came out too new and i'm just shaking my head like you just took airpods and all this other stuff you know like right you they just built a 5g <laughs> tower on top of your building and that yeah. came out pretty fast and like you know i, I don't want to fear monger or anything like that but i'm just shaking my head that like you there are many precedences where you uh, the um lane assist on a car you know people yeah. are using their teslas not even using their hands yeah. It's not like that stuff has been in the works for 40 years like right. vaccines have. And so you're going to trust your whole life driving down the freeway to your car to drive its own self, you know, and I don't think you're fear mongering. It's like we're taking a moment to go, wow, isn't technology amazing? Sometimes we made a vaccine against a deadly disease in like a year. 
That's yeah. impressive. Yeah. 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 And we don't, we don't try to talk about politics too much on this show, but I just, it's, it's crazy how in this country, especially vaccination became more of a, more of a political issue because the vaccination, not vaccination does tend to go down party lines a little bit, not exclusively. Uh, There are some people that are just, I don't know, being overly cautious for whatever reason, but just in my own anecdotal experience, it's, it's been that way. And it's really strange. Well, there's, I, I think, you know, as far as, you know, people of color, there's also a huge distrust of just medicine in general because of the legacy of all kinds of stuff that's happened over years and years and years. So I can see how that would be, you know, probably an insurmountable thing to convince a lot of people of color whose people have been experimented on and have never had access to actual health care where you preemptively go in and get well checks and stuff rather than waiting till cancer mm-hmm. is eating your whole body. And then you actually go and do something about it. So like there's, there's a long tradition of people being experimented upon mixed with like l- neglect, lack of sure. being around doctors or listening to doctors opinions. I, yeah. I also think that we need to, you know, I, I understand that sentiment. I mean, it's very common that it is somewhat, <laughs> there is a correlation between uh, political leanings and the vaccination beliefs. However, really look at the fact that archaeologists on a whole, I mean, I think we could say uh, very, very much lean a certain political direction, right? Sure. And you have a lot of archaeologists that do not want to get vaccinated. So I yeah. think this, I think it is a misconception that the vaccination, I mean, maybe the loudest people against vaccinations are leaning in a certain direction. But I think there's a lot of people that are silent in, in their questioning of this vaccination and other vaccinations and don't just don't want it. And there's a lot of people that are just very, that believe in a natural way of letting their body heal. And I think that, you know, we can't conflate the religious or political beliefs with this stance on vaccination. I told, I am not disagreeing with anything that anybody else has said so far on this. I just think that we need to respect the fact that there are people that do want to live their life in a natural way now. Or in and you know, there are certain, I think like tetanus, there's certain things that you, your body, if, if you're not vaccinated for it, you're going to have to, you know, you're obviously you're going to have to get that vaccination in order to combat that. But there are some, some, you know, like the flu, a lot of people don't get the flu vaccination because they want it to run its course in their body. And so, you know, obviously the flu, the COVID and COVID are two different separate things, but I just think we need to be careful because if you just look at our, at, at our discipline, it actually doesn't pan out that way. I don't think necessarily it does sure. go along political lines. Sure. Yeah. And that makes sense for archaeology. We've always been a little bit different. And on that note, let's take a break and we're going to continue talking about some of this stuff on the other side back in a minute. Chris Webster here for the Archaeology Podcast Network. We strive for high quality interviews and content so you can find information on any topic in archaeology from around the world. One way we do that is by recording interviews with our hosts and guests located in many parts of the world all at once. We do that through the use of Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. Zencaster allows us to to record high quality audio with no stress on the guest. Just send them a link to click on and that's it. Zencaster does the rest. They even do automatic transcriptions. Check out the link in the show notes for 30% off your first three months or go to Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R.com and use the code CRMARC. 
Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Welcome back to episode 227 of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. And of course, we're talking about vaccinations and all kinds of stuff. And and we had a, a pretty good discussion over the break because Bill had to take off. So he won't be joining us for the last two segments of the episode. But, you know, some things came up. And Heather, I, I wanted to comment on something you were saying at the end about people's, you know, people's choices to let their body heal naturally and things like that. And I am all for somebody doing whatever they want to do naturally, right? Like if you've got cancer and you'd rather go to a homeopathist and rather than get chemotherapy, that's your choice, right? It doesn't, right. it doesn't impact me other than I'll be sad when you're gone, right? That would suck. Right. But if you choose to not get a vaccination against a deadly disease that could possibly prevent you from giving it to me and then me giving it to somebody who is maybe compromised or something like that. I mean, I just had a, had a good friend in civil air patrol, uh, pass away this week and he was, I found out he was unvaccinated. Now he was like 70 something and not like in the best health, but he's a pilot, uh, uh, advanced. Uh, he was one of the, one of the few FAA, uh, master flight instructors, just a really great guy, brought a lot of people into aviation into our squadron as well and refused to get vaccinated and then ended up in the hospital and was dead three days later on yeah. the ventilator the whole time. So yeah. it's, it's a choice that impacts others when you're doing that. And I think choices that impact others, it's along the same lines of, as I mentioned in the break, you're not allowed to smoke in the work vehicle. You're not allowed to smoke in the office. You're not allowed to drink in the work vehicle. Why would you be allowed to bring a life-threatening disease into the vehicle that could potentially impact others? It doesn't make any sense. And if you're making that personal decision, then you need to make the personal decision to work somewhere else as far as I'm concerned. So, well, I, you know. I think, so I'm going to play the devil's advocate on the last statement there. So yeah. When it comes to, yes, um, smoking, drink, drinking, these are decisions that you're making in the moment, in the instant, not smoking. That's an instant, you know, it does impact the person that you're with, obviously. As far as COVID, first of all, by somebody not being vaccinated does not mean they're automatically carrying, the vac uh, carrying COVID and that they right. automatically have COVID. So, That's true. you know, this is a risk that you're taking, whether or not that person could have COVID. The other, you know, and these are all arguments that people have made, but I think they're fair. And I think that we're not going to, we're, we're not going to understand. I mean, we, I'm talking about a general we, not you and me. Mm -hmm. We're not going to understand each other if we're not willing to at least look at some of these um, points. And mm -hmm. one of the points is, is that if somebody is vaccinated and somebody is not vaccinated, why is the person who is vaccinated concerned? Because they are vaccinated, right? They're vaccinated, so they don't catch it. The person who decides not to be vaccinated, who isn't necessarily carrying COVID, if they do end up with COVID, the reason the person who's vaccinated is vaccinated is to protect themselves. So, you know, these are some fair, they're fair points. And I think a lot of times in this country, we're just 
you know, saying, okay, we're not going to, we're not even going to entertain that concept, right? But that's a very logical question, a very logical point. And so, you know, I think it's a fair one to bring up. The other is, you know, as far as, you know, the the vaccination right now, unfortunately, we're seeing more and more people that are catching COVID, even though they're vaccinated. So, you know, that kind of blows that argument. No, no, no. It doesn't blow it out, but it definitely impacts it. Look, I don't think those points are actually fair at all. It's like if you don't get vaccinated, you're a drag on the community and the society. You know, you are not doing like how un-American, how anti-community is it? (laughs) You won't get a vaccination. You won't like have a stick into your arm for like two seconds in order to protect children and pregnant women and people with pre-existing conditions. You know, it's like you can't do that for society. How weak are you? You know, I'm tired. Of those, what like, oh, but you know, are, what about my feelings? I don't give a damn. No. Get, but what vaccinated. about people that are medically, that medically, that legitimately are medically unable to do the vaccination? They're the yes, half but, a percent that the rest of us are protecting. I'm happy if you have a real condition, that's fine. But if you don't, yeah, that's, it's not fine. That's a very small number of people, right? And they yeah, should be absolutely. protected no, against I, that. Absolutely. I understand, yeah. but it's still, you know, these are, I, Andrew, I'm not arguing with you at all. I'm just saying that we need to have at least, you know, we can't just, it's like when you're a kid, right? Your parents, some t- you know, the parents have a right to say no, yes, no, and they don't have to give you an answer. But the kid's not going to understand unless there's some kind of, back and forth, some logical discussion. And so to just say that some of these points don't have um, any merit, and I don't think that's what the purpose of this podcast is, but that that they don't have any merit just because you're not being American or you're not, and whether it doesn't, you know, whether I agree with you or I don't agree with you, it's, it's still something that in order to persuade or to have a, a, a productive conversation where maybe you might be able to persuade somebody to just no. tell somebody they're un-American or they're, <laughs> or they're being very irresponsible or they're being they unkind are. or they don't care about their fellow American <laughs> is, is not going to persuade people. I know what you mean. I know where you're going and I, and yeah. I understand the, the persuasion concept and, and, you know, if I was maybe in a different venue or something or, to, you know, trying to just, and trying to persuade somebody, I yeah. get the, like, um, you, you know, you catch more people with honey kind of thing. Absolutely. But, yeah. you know, I feel like just here in the moment, I can kind of be myself and I'm like, look, um, I, I'm tired of how <laughs> in America we do, we, we make everything some sort of funky 50 50 give and take like everything's a 50 50 give and take in this case it's not it's not it's 100 zero you know like the other the the anti-vaxxer side is ludicrous that's all that's just the fact you know and again yes if i'm trying to get someone vaccinated i'm gonna be like hey man you know it's like a good idea to kind of do this hey get on board you know but just here being myself i'm like oh please be an adult take responsibility (laughs) Yeah, and I'm I, I I could be wrong here. I'm definitely not a medical professional, but I I'm I'm under the understanding that vaccination doesn't necessarily prevent you from getting COVID. It right. mitigates 
the effects of COVID if you do get it, right? Or coronavirus. So it, it just makes it so you're more likely to survive it, but you can still get it if you're vaccinated and you can still pass it on to somebody else if you're vaccinated, right? It just well, that's it doesn't prevent you now. from getting it. That was yeah, in the well, beginning, it was to prevent. For a long, long time, it was to prevent. That was the that was the, the well, mantra. We thought that, that we thought it would yeah. And obviously we know now it doesn't, you know, and just so that people know where, where, not where I sit, but where, you know, my background is. And I, I think Chris and Andrew probably know this. My father was in the hospital in June of 2020 and he mm-hmm. ended up in the hospital for four months because of COVID. He was 80 years old. He did survive. He survived because he had a family that was fighting tooth and nail, would not take him off of uh, basically the ventilator. And and he he did survive. He did eventually come out. He was in a coma. I mean, it was it was scary. It was it was awful. It was awful. And so I I get it. Like I've I've been there. I've lived through it. I sat by my father's side for a month and fighting with the doctors, them telling me that, you know, he's he um, he's lived a good life. You know, he's overweight. He's got asthma, all this kind of stuff. Let him go. Basically is what they were saying. Yeah, and we did not let that happen, and and he survived. Now, uh, I'm not saying that people that didn't survive didn't have family that were fighting for them. I'm sure they did, but it's you know just so you know that that is where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. I've had very intimate personal experience with this. So, but yeah, I yeah. think that you know we do need in this country to have just um, a little bit more. I know it's an emotional topic. Trust me, it's emotional for me. But when we get into the emotional, and I also understand what Andrew's saying, because we're in a soundbite here. He's a little <laughs> bit more succinct than I am. <laughs> I tend to go on and on. But, you know, we we do need to have some more logical conversations because we are seeing this is impacting us separate from the medical issue. This is impacting us and our ability to to put people out, put people to work. People are losing yeah. their jobs. People are giving up on their jobs. I mean, this is, it, this is serious stuff. And it's not just this, you know, easy, you know, if you're not going to get it, you're out of luck. I mean, it's, it is not, it's going to impact us. Even those that are vaccinated is going to impact them. If, if jobs or if, if people start losing companies, if, you yeah. know, if we're not able to get contracts, if you're working for a company exclusively, they can't get a federal contract because, I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. It, it's a bigger thing than just the medical issue. That's what I'm saying. Well, I think, I think you're right. I mean, it's a conversation that needs to be had. If somebody, and it doesn't need to be, you know, I mean, obviously we have our opinions here and we're just voicing those opinions. But if I had somebody working for me that said, yeah, I, I, I refuse to get vaccinated uh, for whatever reason, right? Then I'd be like, okay, that's, that's your choice. I'll, I'll give you a, a great reference. And, you know, I hope you find something that works for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. Right. I, I'm not saying that we need to be violent with them or, you know, berate them for their opinions, but you're not going to work here. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's and that's your personal choice. Decisions. Yeah, there's sure. Yeah. Your personal choices have consequences. So, sure. you know, go yes, find a place exactly. to work where they don't care about that. Yeah. 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 But. And, and I am curious, too. I mean, we have the, a, a lot of like hanger ons who don't want to get vaccinated or whatever. But if the whip really comes down and it's like, hey, you have to get vaccinated for all these jobs, you know, because people are worried like, oh, there won't be enough people to do these certain jobs. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I think a decent amount of them will get vaccinated when it's like, look, you have to. Or guess what? You don't have any medical insurance for your family. So right. do it. You know, I think those numbers will change. Yeah. In, ar- in, ar- in archaeology, we have, a, a you know, larger than many professions, we have an as-needed population, right? We, we oh, don't. Right. right. So, you know, there's also people are already, the retention for as-needed archaeologists is already very low just because the conditions are not great <laughs> and yeah. it's difficult it's to be <laughs> it's difficult to be an archaeologist for a long period of time it wears hard on your body and so you know yeah. that coupled with this decision and people where people stand on whether or not they want to get vaccinated is absolutely going to impact the um the as needed force it it's already impacting it and so yeah, it's just it's just a real it's a real conversation. It's also going to lead to to other decisions that um you know the things that you see on on social media threads as far as <laughs> people that work in you know as as needed contractors who aren't necessarily archaeologists that are being you know that companies are going to start having to go that way. They're going to have to start hiring people that aren't necessarily archaeologists to dig because otherwise we're just not going to have the people. So, yeah, but, but that's you a know, whole we'll, other you know, podcast. We'll, we'll work something out. And again, you know, my my students yeah. who are all vaccinated will work as scabs in order to cover all yeah. local companies <laughs> and will make it to the prosperous land. You know what I mean? Right. So my, my and again, as I joke, I'm also like, hey, look, there's other possibilities. Like if somebody's just holding it over your head, like, well, I won't get vaccinated. Or, you know, if you make me, well, I'll just quit. It's like, all right, see you later. Well, there are, there's laws though that you can't, you know, there companies also are right now, tre- they're, they're treading this fine line. They're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen because they yes. also don't want the repercussion of firing somebody and then right. end up having wrongful termination. So, you, you know, you have to be really careful. No, of course. Yeah. And, and that is a uh, ever-changing goalpost, that kind of stuff. Yes. I mean, I, uh-huh. I noticed that even, you know, at the community college level, just that stuff is always, you know, back and forth. So that that is, I understand that. That is difficult. Yeah. You know, this is just making me think uh, what Bill was saying in the first segment about people picking and choose the technology and things like that, that they choose to lose their minds over. And I just I have seen people lose their minds over a company not providing water. Right. Or if they don't have a water jug that day. And yet, if they tell you to get vaccinated, now you're going to lose your mind over that. But the company is not providing you water. You can't provide yourself water, apparently. But if the company doesn't provide you water you're going to lose your mind on that company because they are being unsafe, but they go require you to wear seatbelts or be vaccinated. And all of a sudden that's where the, you draw the line. So yeah. yeah, I don't understand it. So let's, so let's lead this into, you know, three quarters of the way through this podcast, our uh, topic, <laughs> which is coming into cold and flu season. Obviously people are going to be more susceptible to a lot of things as the weather cools down. People are, are outside doing things where, you know, um, you're just more prone to catch stuff like that. I think things like COVID, as we saw in 2020, will actually decrease over the winter like they do because, you know, it's trans- transmitted through human contact and um, you're being around other humans. And if you're around other humans, less because you're indoors, then you're less likely to catch it. Same thing with cold and flu season. That being said, 
one of the things Doug Doug actually came up for the topic for this, but couldn't make the show, so he left us some notes talking about uh, paid leave for for sick leave, basically, and you know what's required. And he said in the research he's done is there's no real federal law in the U.S. that requires paid leave, not for non-federal employees, for like regular companies, right? There's no real federal regulation around that, but some states counties and uh, cities in the U.S. do have laws mandating paid sick leave. So I'm kind of like, you know, talking about Heather's example of uh, uh, on-call employees and, you know, shovel bums, if you will, and uh, around the country, that's not even a conversation they want to hear. They're probably tuning out the podcast right now because they're (laughs) like, I never have and never will get paid sick leave because I'm an on-call employee, you know, but that being said, sometimes a a lot of companies, not sometimes a lot of companies hire you full time just at a different status. If, even if you're only there for three or four weeks, because we're often not allowed to hire contractors. Right. So, uh, so you'll be hired on full time, but does that, warrant giving you, you know, paid sick leave or anything like that? I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on this? And, and really, we'll just give one little thought on this. Maybe Andrew, right? Because we're just, almost done. <laughs> I'll just do like a, like a quick one. Again, in, in my experience in CRM, uh, some idea like paid leave was a thousand miles away. You know, like <laughs> right. I didn't even, I don't even think it registered ever on my personal Richter scale. You know, I just thought that, mm-hmm. well, if I don't show up, then there's no money that day. I, 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 I don't think I, I ever even heard of it in any contract I signed ever. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And I'm a huge idiot. I'm basically full time with a, a massive company that's outside of CRM right now. But I chose to keep my contractor status. It's a whole weird thing. Oh, yeah, the company yeah. I was working for was purchased by this bigger company. Most of the people here went full time with the bigger company. We were all contractors with the other company. Mm-hmm. And I maintained my contractor status just because I see I see benefits in that. So right. while they're all talking about holidays and, you know, are you working on, you know, these days and those days? I'm like, I'm working pretty much every day because, well, partly because I choose to, um, but also, you know, I also have the freedom to say I'm not working today because I am a contractor. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's not paid, but I also have the ability to just say I'm not going to do it. Um, anyway, let's talk about this a little more. I'm interested to get Heather's perspective on this as somebody working for a big company in California. And we'll do that in our last segment on the other side of the break. Back in a minute. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is episode 227 of the CRM Mark podcast. Uh, again, Bill is not here because he's on paid sick leave from the Archaeology Podcast Network. Uh-huh. It's actually not true because <laughs> we provide zero benefits. <laughs> and zero pay. <laughs> and zero pay on top of it. So it's all kind of equals out. <laughs> but 
that's what we're talking about right now. And Heather, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Of course, we're you know not mentioning the, the company you work for and all that stuff, keeping mm-hmm. it generic. But I mean, maybe we can just talk about policies that you've seen, maybe that you're doing now, but definitely that sure. you've seen around paid sick leave. Like how, what, when are you eligible for that kind of thing? Well, in California, you're eligible. You accrue sick leave on the first day of your employment. Regardless of your status, like what type yeah. of employee you are? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so that started in July, 2015. And it's, I guess, one hour for every 30 hours worked. So, you know. So if you work for just like a two-month project for you guys or a four-week project, do you get paid out that sick leave or do you lose it? No, you don't get paid out sick leave. My understanding is you don't get paid sick leave. Sick leave is there if you use it. If you need it. Right. So I I am never sick. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Even if I'm sick, I can't can't afford not to uh, be working on my projects because then just, you know, as as everybody knows, and that's a manager in CRM or otherwise. And so I, I, yeah, exactly. I just, I never use my sick time and I lose it at the end of the year. I accrue okay. sick time and I lose it. So um, now that's different than vacation time, but sick time, you will lose it. I know that California has one of the most uh, beneficial or, or generous sick hours that, you know, than any other state. So mm-hmm. I think that that may be unique. I don't know a whole lot about the other states, but in California, you're going to, you're going to accrue sick leave on your first day and it's one hour for every 30 hours worked. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've definitely worked for companies that had uh, very similar policies, right? Um, whether they were mandated to or not, uh, I wasn't really sure, but I will say just for new people out in the field, you know, talk to the crew chief out there. If you're out on, say, if you work in the West, generally you're working like a 10 on four off situation. A lot of times, not every time, but sometimes you're working 10 on four off. I've worked eight on six off. I've worked nine on five off. That was weird. But it's it's typically you're out there full time with people. You're in a hotel, something like that. Talk to whoever the senior person is in the field uh, for that company. And if you don't feel great in the morning, you know, sometimes that kind of stuff just gets pushed under the rug, you know, to be honest. Yeah. And, and it's like, hey, it's one day. Now, if you show up and you're visibly hungover, like you're going to pay for that uh, as far as I'm concerned. But if you wake up and you're you're just under the weather and, and you, you'd rather just stay in for the day or maybe if you have the ability to stay in for half a day or something, you know, just kind of talk to them. And it doesn't have to be like an official policy sometimes. Now, of course, not every company is like that, but just get the yeah. understanding from the people in the field. You know, you, you have to be a little careful, especially if you have a larger company. I mean, first of all, if you're in California, it is what it is. I mean, you, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, now you may end up not having much. Maybe you just started for the company. You only have an hour, you know, sure. but you have something better than zero hours. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I, I think that don't, it, you can go to the crew chief and see, and then they'll usually just, you know, forward you on to HR because that's yeah, yeah. not something a crew chief or a manager can <laughs> can make a decision on or shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. The, you know, especially in larger companies, the idea of equity is really important as far as making sure that you know what they give one person, they give everybody. And so, having special dispensation or special arrangements is difficult because then there goes your equity, right? Either you do sure. it across the board or you don't do it at all. So, sure. um, you know, but HR. You know, they, they want to keep people. And, and so, you know, sometimes I think, especially with as needed, people are really fearful of talking to HR. HR is your friend, actually. HR exists because they're there to make sure, 
you know, that the employee is is treated properly and, and that all the laws are, are followed. I think one of the problems, though, that comes in is and, and this is on this really is on field techs. And I'm glad we're talking about this. So if, if you're a field tech working for a company right now, you really do need to find out what those contacts are. Yeah. I've worked for plenty of decent sized companies where I never met anyone from the office, not even the PI. Right. You, right. you show up on the site for the first day of the project in the field at the hotel, wherever the meeting point is. And you leave from there, not having ever seen anyone that works in the office, yep. not having even met anyone in HR. You, you hand your employment paperwork to the, to the crew chief or the project director, or you emailed it in one way or the other. And you never have any interaction with those types of people. And you don't know who those contacts are. Now right. it's not, that they don't want you to have that information. It's that CRM, Crew chiefs, project managers, even PIs are inherently kind of poor managers because we're never really given management yes. training. So they don't really know to give yes. that information. <laughs> if you ask Amen. for it, to you. <laughs> now, you know, some of the tricks are now, you know, if you're working for a larger company, the HR is always going to have something on their on the website because sure, HR yeah. should be able to be contacted <laughs> separate from anybody that's managing you. Um, that's set up so that you have anonymity from complaints so right. that somebody that you're is managing you can't take you can't can't hold something against you, right? And yeah, so you reciprocity. To, right. So you can work you can talk to HR without that issue. So that's one thing. If you if you're not sure and you have some issue, uh, whether sick leave or or otherwise, always look on the website. There is almost always a uh, HR contact that um, sure. that they yeah. are really by law not allowed to disclose what it is that you're saying to them. Mm-hmm. Right. So. I think that so many people don't make that call. I'm just speaking from my own experience. Like I never did it. And I'm just here to tell everyone, don't be me, you know, yeah. definitely make that call. I'm, I'm serious. You know, it's like, like Heather said, look on the website and then call them, cold call them and just, and just talk about some of these issues because you want to know this. And you're acting in good faith. You're not doing anything nefarious or secretive. You know, you're just like, Hey, I'm just curious about, maybe you're curious about your benefits. Maybe you're curious Mm -hmm. about like, we're talking about sick leave or whatever. I never did that. And I, I really wish I did. And so just for everyone out there, just make that cold call, just make that contact. You'll, you'll learn actually probably more about stuff you Mm -hmm. didn't think of like benefits or something that you weren't thinking of before. I'll take it even For one sure. step further. When you ask questions like that, it shows that you are a little more business minded, that you totally you're more mature of, a, mm-hmm. of an employee, that you're not just there to just make the eight hours and that's it. You really are thinking through things critically. And when I have somebody, I interview them, we hire them, they ask questions like that in a respectful manner, not mm-hmm. like, you know, the the big company, you better not be screwing me over. Here's my questions type right, of right. attitude. What can I get out but, of this? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But if you're coming with the right attitude, you're asking those questions. You know what? That make that makes my ears perk up. That makes me think, hmm, this person is a critical thinker. This person is a little bit more savvy, a little more professionally minded. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. It's not, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. So never be afraid as long as your heart and your your motivation are are in the right place. Good to ask those Absolute, questions. Um, absolutely, and, I always say you know, know acting good faith. You'll see, you'll hear me say that you know a thousand times. Mm-hmm. But just having this conversation, I'm like, man, I got to tell my students. Like several of whom are working <laughs> in CRM right now, I'm like, dude, get in contact with your HR. You know, learn this stuff. Yeah. It looks good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, I think you know the other thing is is that just remember also when you're feeling ill, you're feeling 
you know, sick. Obviously, if you're ill and you have a cold, especially nowadays with COVID-19, I'm going to bring up that little snag again, <laughs> start a whole other conversation. But yeah. especially with COVID-19, you got to be careful. And in fact, you should be going into the field without having some kind of a safety. You know, they should be asking you those questions just to make sure there still should be asking those questions when you're going into the field, whether or not you have any, any symptoms. Right. Because we're still in the middle of this. But do be conscious of the fact that when you are calling in sick, it's not like, OK, I have a day my kid wants to go to Disneyland and pay, play a hooky day, right? And so I'm just going to call in sick because I'm allowed to call in sick. It really needs to be legitimate because think about what you're doing to everybody else. I know that, you know, depending on, let's say you're doing subsurface testing, right? You have teams, you have one person that calls out sick and it's not, not legitimate, it impacts the rest of the team. And so, you know, just be very responsible when it comes to sick leave because you really are putting other people out in a bind, you know, if you're doing it and it's not legitimate. So obviously if it is legitimate, it's legitimate, but just being, being aware that sick time is not vacation. It's not something I think sometimes <laughs> when people think, Oh, I have sick time. I better use all my sick time before the year's out. No, that's not how it works. It's not how it works. It, you legitimately should be sick in when you take sick time. Yeah. Well, that is, uh, that is a, that is a tough conversation though. I'll tell you what, because, uh, especially with when you're talking about salaried employees, people that, or people that even aren't salaried, but work permanently for the company, that that's definitely a valid thought, right? These people Mm -hmm. have a job They're They're like that. But I just seen so many times and I'll probably, I probably say I have been there, especially early on in my career where you learn really quickly that, you don't have a lot of security, you don't have a lot of benefits and you take what you can get. And sometimes being sick is kind of a vacation, especially if they're paying you for I it. it. I get you it. Know what I, I mean? have to say that I'm yeah. not going to ask. As an employer, <laughs> when somebody tells me they're sick, I trust that they're sick. And actually employers need to be really careful about questioning yeah. that, right? I trust that, that. But I'm just saying from a professional sense, just remember, it's not like you're working at, you know, you have, a, let's say you're in the field. Let's say what if you're at, is a desk job, you know, there's a little bit less of a impact, right? Um, if it's just yeah. a desk job and you take some time off, but when you're in the field, people are counting on you just, you know, be responsible with it is all I'm saying. The one thing I did want to, I thought would be good for us to cover as far as, you know, this COVID-19 um, thing, when it comes to what is HR allowed to ask? That's one thing that people are really questioning is that they say that this is it's like a HIPAA violation, right? To For the vaccination right. cards. So, you know, you'll see my company has at disclaimers up the Yahoo. I mean, it's they have every time they ask, do not. All we want is the vaccination card. Do not ask us for or don't tell us why or why not. You know, uh, if you don't mm-hmm. have a vaccination card, we do not want to know why, unless you're asking for an exemption. Do not tell us anything about your family or, or your personal medical history. We don't want. And so, you know, just be conscious that if your company is asking for your vaccination card, they have no no right to ask you for anything other than just that vaccination card, period. And right now, geez, when this it, it, things could change just in from now when we're recording until when this actually goes out in the podcast world. Sure. So when you're giving your vaccination card, just 
give the, you know, they don't have to, there's, they're going to be some, depending on where you're working, some states aren't even going to ask you for it. If you're working in California, if it gets to that point and the company is asking for the vaccination card, just know that's all you need to share. And that's all you should share is just the card. That's it. No, no yeah. reason why, why not, or, or any other kind of family history. Right. Well, in the last few minutes here, uh, going off some of the notes that Doug wrote, it's interesting because he uh, he put in the in for segment three, he said tips and tricks for dealing with colds and flus. What medicine do you take? Things like that. I don't know if we should give medical advice on, on what medicine to take. Um, I will say if, if you're not aware of this, if you let's say you're the oh, my God, uh, I had a time when actually my wife and I were she's an archaeologist as well. We were both monitoring in separate areas on a really big mining property in Nevada. We weren't together. We were we were spread out. We were in different areas. We each had a truck. And I think the night before we went out on one of the days, uh, we were on 10 day sessions. We um, went to dinner with uh, another crew from that same company that happened to be nearby. And we all met in town and we had dinner. And I totally got some of the worst food poisoning I've ever had in my life. Uh, and it was a really hot day out. Uh, luckily, I had a really light day from a monitoring standpoint. A lot of times we just had to sit and wait in the truck until they knocked on the window and said, OK, we're doing something now. Because there was a lot of setup and a lot of things that these guys had to do. It was an interesting monitoring situation. And... I was able to essentially like sleep in the truck because I, I really couldn't leave. There was nobody to take my place. There was no possibility of that. So in that circumstance, you're just kind of screwed and you got to hope for the best. I've worked with food poisoning before too in, in New Mexico and it just simply, you know, wasn't fun. But uh, as a pilot, we're taught that um, if you do need to, to get out there and do something, and again, I'm not providing medical advice, but Sudafed is typically non-drowsy, right? So if you're going to take something, take Sudafed because it will allow you to keep your senses about you and and keep doing stuff and hopefully, you know, fight your fight your sickness. But obviously, I think COVID taught us all one thing that, hey, if you actually like wash your hands and yeah. try not to touch people, you'll get less sick. Like how, right. how many people have been sick in this last year, right? Just from the flu. Not that many. No. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, nothing. <laughs> you know, I think sharing, sharing equipment, sharing water. I mean, yeah. I, I know people that were sharing camelbacks like all the time. Oh, that's gross. That was oh, man. Thing, right? <laughs> it is gross. <laughs> it is gross. But for some reason, yeah. like, I don't know, it's, the grungier, the better. Yeah. I don't know. It's, even, for some it's even gross for me to use my own camelback. Yeah, that's I hate camel. I don't like camelbacks for that reason. But yeah, yeah. I can lean over and like suck on my wife's hose for a little while. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> not, <laughs> not even your wife. Wow. No, yeah. No. <laughs> so I, I think, yeah, COVID is actually really that we were, I think, probably one of the first companies, if not that that came out with this really very well thought out COVID regimen. I know that we had and and safety plan and everything. And you and I had talked about it. We had talked about it on the podcast yeah. right after COVID started, right? And because we were we were like out. In fact, we haven't stopped since COVID started. And it and our work, like many others, has just like exponentially grown. So yeah. but I think a lot we've actually been looking at our our safety you know, a, approach when it came to COVID and what are we going to keep and not keep? And there's a, mm -hmm. there's a decent amount that we think is useful that we're going to continue with. Uh, and I think overall, it's definitely going to, you know, at least help when it comes to transmitting just the regular flu, cold, whatever um, in the field, because we're all working 
you know, pretty in close quarters with each other and you can't avoid it. Yeah. yeah. I've also found it as a fringe benefit. It's like mask wearing ain't so bad when you're at a really dusty site. <laughs> right. Lots of people were wearing masks even before then. That's yeah. why one of the mask thing wasn't even that big of a deal for so many people like in the field, because you especially if you're if you're screening. I mean, a lot of people mm-hmm. were wearing the gators anyway. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's just a good idea with silicosis and other things that you could possibly get from that right. fine, fine dust, you know, depending yeah. where you're at. And that, what's that Southern California, Central California disease called that comes from mice or something like oh, that oh, or wow. something oh. Uh, oh, valley fever. Valley fever. Valley fever. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, you definitely, we're no strangers to, you know, looking out for stuff like that. So, uh, also in, in the line of, uh, and this would be the, my last word on this is, uh, when you're talking about sharing stuff, I mean, this is coming from a field of people who will lick something to see if it's bone or ceramic. So, you know, we, we, our boundaries are somewhere else. They're not where normal people's boundaries are. <laughs> one, one little uh, tip I just thought about before we, before we end is that a lot of companies have trainings. Some they require from you, some they do not. So when you're talking to HR or you're talking to your crew, ask them if they have trainings that you can take. You get paid yeah. to do those trainings and they're really helpful. You'd be surprised. Sometimes it seems like, oh, it's like one of those things that HR creates so they can, you know, minimize their, their, you know, liability or whatever. No, there really are. There's a lot of thought put into it. There's people that make a living as safety directors and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it it's worth, it can't hurt and you get paid to do it. So. Yeah, for sure. for sure. And it shows you're serious. It's another one of those things where it shows, yep. shows you're serious. It's it's very cool to, to do that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. So, all right. Well, thanks, guys. This has been a really good discussion. Uh, thanks, Bill, who was in for segment one. We've got a lot of a large breadth of experience here and opinions. So I hope the audience learned something from that. So, all right. Well, we will be back next time. If you're in the United States, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving and you've got a good off season coming up and we will see you in two weeks. That's it for another episode of the CRM archeology span podcast links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.arcpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks, everyone, for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. See you guys next time. This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. 
Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. True.